as we prepare to hear our readings this morning. Uh, today we will hear two scripture readings and a poem. Uh, the first scripture reading is from the Hebrew Testament. It's a part of Psalm 118, which is a psalm of praise. And this is a psalm that celebrates God's deliverance in a time of fear and uncertainty and violence. It's also a psalm that Jesus quoted uh, during the last week of his life in Mark's Gospel. Our second reading is from the Christian Testament, and it's Mark's account of the resurrection story. Those of you who have been worshiping with us regularly uh, know that we've been using the narrative lectionary and following the Gospel of Mark uh, since the beginning of January. Way back then, at the beginning of January, we heard the opening line of Mark's Gospel, which read, The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, Son of God. Well, today we come to the very end of Mark's Gospel, and we'll see how he concludes that story, which, as we'll see, is not really an ending as much as it is a call to a new beginning. Between these two scriptures, we'll hear a poem by the Catholic writer Laura Kelly Finucci. Uh, this is a poem that she just wrote last week in response to COVID-19. So let us listen for the word of God. A reading from Psalm 118, verses 21 through 27. I give thanks to you, O beloved, who answers our prayers and invites us to new life. The stone which the builders rejected has become the foundation of our lives. This, O eternal listener, is your work. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Remain ever by our side, O friend. We welcome you into our hearts as loving companion presence. Blessed are all who enter through your gates. Blessed are all who dwell in the house of love. For you lead the way. You forgive our misguided ways, and you bring light into darkness. Come, all you who will, partake of the great banquet. You are my beloved, and I will give thanks to you. You are my beloved. Greatly will I praise you. We give thanks to you, O blessed one, for you are kind. Your steadfast love endures forever. This is a poem by Laura Kelly Finucci. When this is over, may we never again take for granted a handshake with a stranger, full shelves at the store, conversations with neighbors, a crowded theater, Friday night out, the taste of communion, a routine checkup, the school rush each morning, coffee with a friend, the stadium roaring, each deep breath. A boring Tuesday, life itself. When this ends, may we find that we have become more like the people we wanted to be. We were called to be. We hoped to be. And may we stay that way better for each other because of the worst. Good morning. This is the reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, 
verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is a place they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, on this day when we celebrate your new life, meet us in this time of worship. Give us signs of new life in our hearts, in our homes, in our community, and in our world. And in these words this morning, we pray this in your name. Amen. So this has to be one of the strangest Easter's that I've ever experienced. I would imagine that maybe you have ever experienced. As we are often used to being in our sanctuary with tulips and lilies and trumpeters and our Easter best outfits and singing at the top of our lungs, Christ the Lord is risen today. And yet instead, here we are in our own homes. We are participating in worship through a screen in a time of deep fear and uncertainty. It's an unusual time. And I imagine many of us woke up this morning uh, not putting on our Easter best outfit, not running outside to put eggs out for the neighborhood egg hunt. But rather, we woke up this morning and we went to the news to see the latest death toll numbers, to find out what new policy or procedure or precaution our leaders have put in place overnight. It is an unusual time, and it is a time of real fear and real uncertainty and real suffering. And in this way, it also makes it much closer to that very first Easter, which was a time of deep uncertainty and fear and isolation. Mark tells us that at the crucifixion, all of Jesus's followers fled. All of them deserted him and fled. They all were hiding out in upper rooms. They were afraid. They were afraid to come out of their homes. They were afraid for what the Roman government would do to them after they had already slain their leader. They were afraid for their lives. All those disciples had deserted and fled, except for three. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, 
and Salome. And so we hear on this first Easter morning long ago that they came out of their isolation. They came because of service, because they wanted to go to the tomb where they would anoint the body of their slain leader. And so as they come to the tomb that, that morning, there was deep uncertainty. They wanted to know who would roll away the stone, but more importantly, they wanted to know what was going to happen next. What would happen next in their lives? What was their world going to look like? And I think about that as we are so aware of the very real places of death and of suffering and of tombs and of grief in our lives. Right now, there is so much death just in uh, the literal physical death of thousands of people around our globe from coronavirus. But there's also just the, the deaths that come with it as our whole lives have changed. There's, there's just the grief that comes over social isolation and not being able to physically be with or near the people that we love. There's grief over the loss of jobs and income and safety nets. There's just loss and death from shortened school years, from canceled wedding plans, from postponed vacation travel. There's the grief over institutions that have failed us and let us down. And there's just the loss in daily routines. And yet what is so interesting to me about this story that it's precisely in these places of loss, it's precisely at these tombs that the good news comes. It's there that the young man came to the woman and said, the one you're looking for, Jesus, he's not here. He's gone ahead of you to Galilee and you will find him there. It's the good news of the resurrection, but but is it really good news? Mark is the only gospel who doesn't actually record a resurrection story. We don't see the new Jesus, the new alive resurrected Jesus. Instead, what we hear is a promise. He's gone ahead of us to Galilee. And so it's no wonder that the women flee, as it says, in terror and amazement. Terror I get because of everything that they had just witnessed. They had just seen their leader killed by Rome. They had just seen the reality of suffering and death. They had seen their leader buried. And now he's nowhere to be found. But there's also that terror of what the young man has said. What if this is true? What if he really has gone ahead of us? And what is that going to mean for our lives? In the same way, they're filled with amazement. Amazement at the message of this young man that comes in their deepest moment of grief. What if new life is possible? What if all those things that Jesus said are true? What if Jesus really is going ahead of them? What if he's alive? What if he really will see him there? And so there is that sense of both terror and amazement as they move forward and move toward a future that they do not know. 
that they must find through faith. The author Rebecca Solnit uh, writes a lot about hope. And she wrote a fantastic article this week on the coronavirus and hope and what the coronavirus can teach us about hope. And she studies a lot about disasters. And one of the things that she has said is that, quote, disaster changes the world and our view of it. Our focus shifts, what matters shifts, what is weak breaks under new pressure, what is strong holds, and what is hidden emerges. Well, we are in a time of deep transformation by this disaster, the coronavirus, and it's showing us uh, what is weak and breaking, what is strong and holding, and we are waiting to see what will emerge. We know some of the places that are weak that are breaking down. We can see it in our economy and in our government and in our corporations, whether that's just the overburdened healthcare system, whether it's people lacking adequate health care, whether it's the breakdown of communication and action from our federal government, whether it's uh, benefits that haven't been extended to people. At the same time, we are finding out what is strong. We're seeing people rise to the occasion. We're seeing neighbors helping neighbors a new way. We're seeing medical professionals just putting themselves on the front lines to serve the vulnerable. We are seeing businesses repurpose themselves. They're producing hand sanitizer or ventilators. We're seeing people sew their own masks. We're seeing churches finding new ways to be the church to people in their homes. And in the midst of this, we are waiting to see what emerges. And this is where I think our Easter story meets us in the very best way. Because it leaves the story up to us. As I said a minute ago, uh, in Mark's gospel, there's no sighting of Jesus post-Easter. It's just the promise that he's gone ahead. And Mark's gospel, uh, it ends with the women fleeing, as we said, in terror and amazement, and they said nothing to anyone. Well, for one thing, we know that's not true. They had to say something to someone or we wouldn't be here. But even more appropriately in the Greek, uh, the whole gospel ends actually with a Greek uh, conjunction. That means however, like ending the sentence with however, which I think grammatically you're, you're never supposed to do, right? Um, it's like ending your sentence with an ellipsis, a dot, 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 to be continued. And yet there's a way in which Mark does this on purpose. Because he is inviting us into the story. We are the ones who are to continue the story, who are to go back to Galilee, go back to our homes, go back to our lives. That's where it all began. Jesus said in the very beginning, or Mark said at the very beginning of his gospel, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that beginning started there in Galilee. And now as we come to the end, it's not really an end. Mark basically says, go back to the beginning, go back to where it started. In other words, you are the ones who are to finish the story 
or at least carry on the story of the resurrection in the world. You are the ones who are to help write the next chapter to see what will come next. And so that's where we are. We are in this liminal time as we wait to see what will emerge, what resurrection will look like in our world. As I heard the poem this morning um, that was read, it, it reminded me of this is part of our dream of what resurrection will look like. That maybe when we get to the other side, what, we'll, what we will have are, are deeper connections with each other and a greater understanding of that need to be connected to each other, a greater sense of interdependence. That what we'll have is hopefully some less demanding schedules, that we've learned some things about our priorities and our time. That what resurrection will look like is better care for our earth, giving our planet a break, as we've seen pictures coming in of Los Angeles with clearer skies than they've ever had before. Maybe what resurrection will look like are better benefits for employees, better health care for all people. Maybe what resurrection will look like is just an appreciation of each and every day of our lives. Rebecca Solnit in her article uh, reminds us that um, transformation is much like the chrysalis, like the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And basically what she uh, reminds us or says is that, um, you know, when a caterpillar spins its cocoon, then it basically, it dissolves itself. Uh, it kind of becomes this, this liquid mess. Uh, she calls it a living soup. And what she says is that within this living soup are imaginal cells that will catalyze its transformation. Imaginal cells. I love that image. It's the idea of the imagination, that it's the prophetic imagination. It's the moral imagination. It's it's the hope, it's the resurrection hope that will guide us into that transformation and will help us write the story of what is to come. Mark may have ended his story with a conjunction. He may have ended it with a, a dot, dot, dot. But in the UCC, we, we talk more about the comma. We have a phrase uh, attributed to Gracie Allen that says, never place a period where God has placed a comma. And it's a way that we say God is still speaking. This is an unusual time in our world. It's an unusual Easter. It's, it's an unusual season. But here's the good news of the resurrection. The story is still being written. Death does not have the last word. Fear does not have the last word. Coronavirus does not have the last word. Grief does not have the last word. Terror does not have the last word. But God's love 
God's love and God's life is stronger than all of that. And God's love and God's life, Christ's presence, is what beckons us forward, is what tells us to write the new story, and what invites us to narrate the resurrection in the world. So how are you going to help tell God's resurrection story? How are you going to be part of the unfolding narrative of God's new life in our world? Yes, this is an unusual time, but God is with us. And we have a story to tell. Alleluia. Amen.